Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast presented by Ingles. Happy NFL Draft Week to all who celebrate and observe, which Mac really is everybody. I mean, I don't know who doesn't. It is the official week of the NFL draft. It feels like not just us, but, you know, everybody, ESPN, everybody has been talking about the NFL draft since January. Yeah, they have. Come on. So I'm glad that it's here and I'm glad that it's finally time to discuss the NFL draft with renowned ESPN draft analyst Jordan Reed, who is one of the best. You can go find his mock draft all over ESPN. He breaks it down for us in such a great way. And we also talk about the overall quarterback discussion. It's not an ACC yeah. topic necessarily. That's going to be fun. But Mac, Jay Reed is just, he's the best of the best. And I, I really enjoyed talking with him here. He, he really is. Listen, this guy has a long history of football. Love what he's doing, the things that he was able to do at his HBCU, who just won the national championship, by North the Carolina way. Carolina Central. Super, super cool for him. And he actually got to go to their celebration. I think he was either the MC or yeah. a guest speaker. Uh, and I know that was just amazing for him to be able to celebrate with those young men on just an amazing accomplishment of winning a national title there it was super cool. He also cracked me up because we were talking about off air. We we're talking about kids. Mac obviously has a, a daughter. <laughs> I'm about to have a, a child, um, which is a terrifying thought. And Jordan Reed has twin girls. And we said like, Jordan, are you done? And he goes, Oh yeah. He goes, I cannot risk another set of twins. And I thought, that is so true. If you have twins first, yep. you know you're perhaps predisposed to do it again. Not predisposed. And yeah, like you have a tree, you might it might happen again. It's genetically in your family or something. You got a you got a twin condition. Yeah, you got a twin condition. And he goes, There's no way. There's no way that we can <laughs> go again. Because if we have twins again, it's just gonna be unbelievable. So I thought that was Shut wise up. words from Jordan. It, Wise it was words. smart. It was smart. Okay. It's also NFL draft week, which means you're going to Ingles. You're getting your spread. You're getting ready. Come on. I talked about this last week, the Buffalo chicken dip, which is always a good play. Always a good yep. decision. You can dip veggies in it if you want to be a little, you know, a little healthier. Weird. You also can just go meat, do some wings, do, do something like that. Mac, on a chill evening, it's NFL drafts. So you're going to be watching from home. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what would be kind of your chill go-to just throw some stuff on the grill. It's I'm Eric McLean. I can just whip something up real fast. Let me, let me just tell y'all something. We're never just throwing stuff on the grill. Okay. That was it insulting. Is, huh? It is very intentional about what we're doing. And I'm going to tell you, I've already got it planned out. I've already been to Ingles and, and got it ready uh, for the first round here. Um, we're doing reverse sear ribeyes. I cannot. Of what wait. else would I you do? I can't wait. Yeah, duh. Uh, I, I really, I can't wait. So I'm going to tell you all. So this is, I'm going to give you behind the curtain. This is what I do here. So you cook it super low, mm-hmm. like 220, 200 if you want. Some people dip into the 100s, which is scary. I stay wow. above 200 for an hour. So I'm just smoking that thing, super smoky. You're getting all that flavor that stays inside. I, another little tidbit here. People think that if you have a Traeger, there's a setting called super smoke. Some people get discouraged because you see less smoke coming out of your smoker. You're like, whoa, there should be more smoke. Here's the deal. It keeps all the smoke inside more so you get that flavor. It soaks it on in there. And this is the difference, KG. When you do that, 
and you take it off, it's going to look a little strange because it, it's not, you know, your typical seared look where it's flash fried, whatever. It's going to look like jerky almost. So you take it off of there, let it rest a little bit. Then you crank that bad boy up to 500, put a little butter drizzle, whatever you want on there, a little truffle butter, and then hammer it back. And it's going to searing up. Do that for maybe two to three minutes each side, and you've got your perfect steak. You take a butter knife or a spoon. You don't need anything. You just go. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Well, next time I can't wait. Next time I, can't I wait. sear a ribeye, <laughs> I will do exactly that. But look, let, here's a message from Ingles about their great meat selection. This is what Max talking about. Did you know Ingles only sells USDA choice and prime cuts of meat? Maybe it's time to reward yourself. Our butchers cut all our meat fresh in the store every day. Grass-fed, organic, you name it. Not only that, we'll even cut it to order just the way you like it. And we grind meat fresh in the store multiple times a day. It's all in the bag. That's the best meat in town for the best folks in town. Ingles. Low prices. Love the savings. Back again, you know it must be draft time. Jordan Reed, thank you so much for joining us, brother. We, we really appreciate your time today. I, I want to start with the quarterback position. Now, th- there aren't any ACC guys in this top four in this you know kind of first round here, but it's the topic of conversation with a lot of people. So I'd love to know, uh, of the four, everybody kind of ha- has circled that are maybe be in the top ten, which is kind of crazy. Who, who do you think will go number one? to the Panthers? Well, that's the big question right now, honestly, Emac. And I don't even think the Panthers know who they want at number one <laughs> overall. They had Bryce Young in for a visit early last week, and then C.J. Stroud is supposed to come in for his visit, his top 30 visit next week. So I think probably the fir- the last few days uh, leading up to the draft, I think that's when they'll make the final decision and they'll go with their gut as far as who they want at the top of the draft. But as far as those two guys, I think it's going to come down to those two. Yeah. Which one? I don't think they even know right now. But if it were me, I would go with Bryce Young. He's my top-ranked quarterback. He's been my top-ranked guy since the summer. Essentially, he's been my QB1 for a very long time. And everybody talks about the size with Bryce, but I, I think he's everything that Drew Brees and Rus- Russell Wilson were when they were coming into the league. Now, Bryce is a little bit different from a body construction standpoint. He's not as dense mm. as those guys. You know, Russ and Drew, they were thicker guys, and even Kyler Murray. They were thicker guys. Um, Bryce is a little bit more slender. Mm. And I know he weighed in at 204 pounds at the combine, but that was water weight, if we're being honest. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest about that. That was one of the biggest reasons why he didn't throw at the combine. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how it all unravels, and we'll see. We have a little over two weeks. Yeah. Is there, I guess, is there any concern with that? I know size is, is a factor that you know a lot of folks want to point at, but is there any concern about the fact that he was at Bama with generational talent. Like you look at the receivers that he was throwing to, you could argue they were better than the guys that he's going to step into it either, you know, kind of where he ends up. Is that a concern or is that kind of something that maybe is overblown? Well, it's not Emac. And what I've been saying to everybody is that Bryce didn't play with a bunch of talented receivers last year. His leading receiver in catches and yards last year was Jameer Gibbs, who was a running back. Mm. So, 
I think with Bryce, we saw what he was able to do when he had those guys on the perimeter, whether it was Jamison Williams or some of the other talented receivers that they had during his freshman and sophomore seasons. But last year, Bama was kind of down up front and then also a long receiver too. Ja'Cory Brooks is a player we'll be talking about a little more next year. But as far as the weapons that he had last year, Bryce didn't play with that usual stable like we're used to seeing with Alabama. They've had first round guys over the past five or six years and they just don't have that this year. That's a great point. I think people kind of forgot that Jameer Gibbs was his leading receiver last year. Um, Jordan, before I ask you about the other two quarterbacks that are kind of near the top, I'm just curious from a planning perspective here. When do you start the draft of your 2023 mock draft, which is currently on ESPN.com, all seven rounds, insane? When do you start that process? And do you already have your your Google Doc going for 2024, I assume? Yeah, so <laughs> it's funny that you <laughs> asked that, Kelly. The draft is a 12-year job, and everybody gets excited about it in February and March when the combine and things like that get here. But for me, it's a 12-month job. And, you know, I usually take the month of May off. That's really when I start to collect my year, my list, excuse me, for the following year. But once June gets here, I start researching backgrounds, start reaching out to sources, asking coaches, just trying to figure out who these players are off of the field. I can determine who they are on the field. I can cut on the film and determine that myself. But just asking around uh, coaches, position coaches, head coaches, guys that I've seen on the road, scouts, that's really when I start to develop an off-the-field perspective about it just because it's easy to develop and turn the film on and see who they are on the field. But the tough part about our job is just judging the person off of the field. Well, I know you're looking forward to May. I hope you have a huge vacation planned um, as we're recording this in April. Um, so let, let's talk about Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. It, you know, it's Mac and I were joking. We were on the phone this morning, and I heard some guys on on SportsCenter. I forget who it was talking about Anthony Richardson. He's got all the you know all the measurables. He's a freak. People love him, but he struggles with accuracy and decision making. I'm like, well, that's what quarterbacks do. So we know that NFL teams will reach a bit for some of these guys that could be generational specimens in terms of their athleticism. I've seen in, in your draft, I think you've had Richardson three, Levis four. Do you feel like those are reaches? I mean, is that something you would do? I know you're trying to predict what these teams will do. Do you feel like those guys are, are worthy of top five picks? Yeah, and I think what happens a lot of times, Kelly, is that people get misconstrued on judging players who they are right now as opposed to projecting what mm. they can be five years down the road. And Anthony is a great example. So what I keep telling everybody with Anthony is that I don't like using the word raw or project with him. He's just inexperienced. And he's only sure. started 13 games in his career. And, <clears throat> excuse me, just to put that into context, since the year 2000, there's only been two other quarterbacks that have started 13 games or less in college and went on to be first-round picks. One that you're very familiar with, Mitchell Trubisky, when he was at Carolina, and then also Mark Sanchez when he was at USC. So, we're talking about a player that's extremely inexperienced, and the only way for Anthony to get that experience is for him to play. So that's the trickiest part about his evaluation, and everybody wants to use the Patrick Mahomes blueprint when he sat behind Alex Smith for a year. But with Anthony, he needs on-the-job training, and the only way he's right. going to get that on-the-job training is for him to be out there. And with this inaccuracies, he was another player like Bryce Young that didn't have a lot of talent on the perimeter. So... Completion percentage can kind of be misleading, and that's not to say he's the most accurate guy in the world. He still has some moments of where he does what I like to call spray the ball all over the place, but a lot of that is tied to his footwork. And a big reason of that is just because psychologically what he's seeing, the defensive structures that he's seeing, he's just never seen it before. So his feet are very chaotic, and it just doesn't tie with his upper body. So his upper body and his lower body don't really marry up a lot just because of what's going on mentally 
sure. with him. So he just needs a lot of experience. Now, on the opposite end of the spectrum, Will Levis is a little bit of a different case. It just with Levis, you don't know which player you're getting. Am I getting the 2021 version of him or am I getting the 2022 version of him? So he's a player that has all the physical traits that you want at the position. It's just a matter of which player am I getting with Levis? Yeah, but both of those guys, man, I, I feel like it's it's so bang or bust with what you're going to get because athletically they're, they're freaky. And we've seen them do stuff that it just makes you scratch your head. You're like, how was that physically possible for a quarterback you know, to just do that? Then they test very well. They're throwing the ball all over the yard. But then you turn on the film and everything you just said, there's moments where you're just like, we can't win a football game with a guy doing that. So yeah, I'm very intrigued to see where those guys end up and then maybe – three, four, five years from now, what what are they doing? How, how are they doing in the NFL? So it's going to be fascinating to see. Let's, uh, let's jump into some ACC, guys. That's what we want to talk with you about today. Quarterback, everybody loves quarterback, and we're actually going to end this conversation with some 24 ca- uh, talk as well. Um, but let, let's jump into this thing. And, and basically what we want to do, Jay, is run through some of the top guys that you have and then go through a couple of the other rounds, maybe some sleepers, things of that nature. But the first guy on your board here uh, going 15 to the Packers is Miles Murphy. Now, I think that, you know, at the end of the season, there was a lot of juice. Miles Murphy, top five guy, top 10 guy for sure. And then there's been this this kind of lull. You know, he didn't test. He, he had a hamstring tweak, didn't do his original pro day. Um, but now he has done pro day. He tests extremely well. Is 15 still kind of the number you think maybe after that pro day? Or do you expect him to jump up a little higher? Yeah, I think 12 to 20 is probably the range that he'll end up going. I know he got some top 10 buzz earlier on uh, this season. I still think he can go top 10. It's just a matter of how comfortable you feel with taking miles. And he's one player that I've seen multiple times throughout the year. I was at his best game. I was there live scouting him against NC State that night game. Mm -hmm. The atmosphere was electric there. I think Clemson was like ranked fourth or fifth at the time, and NC State was in the top 10 too. So, the atmosphere there was electric, and I think he had a couple sacks in that game. He was very impressive. Every bit of six foot five, two hundred and seventy five pounds, ran in the low four fives at his pro day, which was a great time for him. Uh, when he was coming off of that hamstring injury, everybody just wanted to see was he going to test as freaky as he was labeled to be, and he definitely did. I thought he definitely helped himself. With Miles, it's just consistency with him. You want him to take over and be dominant a little bit more than what he was throughout the year. But I just think there were some moments of where he wasn't completely healthy with that hamstring. But I think he can be a 10-plus sack guy easily. It's just a matter of the he has to go somewhere that has dominant coaching that asks a lot of him just because he's capable of being that franchise centerpiece. Yeah, I think that's really well said. And he's a guy that's gaining a lot of buzz towards as we get closer to the draft, which I always think is better than the guys that gain the buzz in February because a lot of times they can then peter off a little bit. Um, I want to go later in the first round just because you just talked about Murphy, and let's talk about Brian Brzee. It's a, an obvious transition there, the, the, these Clemson guys. And we just had Brzee on. I think with Brzee, there's still some inconsistencies um, similar to Murphy, and we know Brzee had a lot more off-the-field stuff going on. You have him in, in that first round sneaking in at the end, 30th to the Eagles. What do you like about Brzee, and, and where do you see his range? Yeah, he, he's one of the players that I like talking about the most just because he kind of straddles that line of why it's so hard to do our job in the media and then with NFL scouts just because. So what I would say with Brzee is that he is one player that I would love to sit down and meet with and do what I call speed dating at the NFL Combine. So each team gets 20 minutes to meet with the player just because I think with Brzee, 
everybody is judging his inconsistencies and forgetting about what he battled through this year. A lot of people are forgetting about the person. And I think that obviously, I don't want to get into too much detail about that, but obviously that's going to have a huge effect on you. So I think that was one of the biggest reasons why he had some inconsistencies throughout the year, just because he was going through some things and then he had some durability things that he was going through as well. He didn't play in the NC State game that I went uh, went to. He was going through um, some medical things during that right. time. So uh, I, I, he's one of those players I would love to sit down with and just see what it, what exactly. Obviously, we knew exactly what was going on, but just break down and see the moments um, that may have negatively affected him in some moments. But the talent, I mean, that's not a question at all. We've seen what he's capable of doing. It's just a matter of can he do that consistently and similar to Miles Murphy, can he take over those games? Even post-ACL injury, I thought he was outstanding. Pre-ACL injury, I thought he was one of the most dominant players in all of college football. I think he is a guy that kind of similar to Richardson when you're talking about those games and just he needs more ball and and a guy that I think he he considered coming back, but this was kind of his plan. And and when you see the first round buzz, it's it's hard to pass that up. But I think when he gets into a system, uh, he's just going to thrive. A, a young man that is a dominant force in nature, six five, you know, three hundred pounds, running a a four eight. I mean, that's that's freaky for a defensive lineman, man. And I just want to add this, Emac. I thought he played out of position a lot last year right. in the bowl game right. against Tennessee. They yeah. were rushing him off of the edge, playing him at five <laughs> technique. Yeah. So it was a situation of where he was just out there, just trying to satisfy a role, as opposed to I think he's a three technique on the next level, in my 100%. honest opinion. Um, and like I said, they were rushing him off of the edge as a five yeah. technique, and I don't think he's that on the next level. <laughs> I don't either. I think three technique and, and maybe even a, a nose in, in true rushing. You know situations and, and rabbit packages there. Well, we we talk about one defensive lineman. I'm gonna stay defense and let KG go wide receivers after this because I love that you have Kalijah Cansey. You know sneaking into to the first round to the Cowboys later in the first round. A guy that man flying in that forty. I don't think anybody expected that outside of him being from Miami. Maybe we should have uh, you know down in the three hundred five, but. He's a guy, man, a lot of production, unblockable at times. I know he's a, a little on the smaller end, but, man, we've seen these these you know smaller in stature defensive linemen just really flourish right now. Aaron Donald, the best ever. Grady Jarrett has done extremely well. What, I guess, do, do you love about him? And you know, do, do you think and feel comfortable about that first round kind of grade here? Oh, absolutely. And Emac, you can attest to this. These are the dudes that you hate to block as a former yeah. guard. Those guys, you would rather block what I like to call those slugs in the middle the that don't guys. move yeah, very all well. All day, all day. But those short, undersized, twitchy guys, they give you a lot of headaches. And that's exactly what Kalaja Kansi was able to do. And, you know, the first game that I cut on of him was against Virginia. And he had three sacks in that game. But I counted, he could have had seven to eight easily if he just finishes plays in that game. The biggest thing with him is that he plays with plenty, plenty of explosion. Um, he's very stout at the point of attack, and he can be a day one contributor as a pass rusher. The thing that he's going to have to improve on, the big question that he's going to have to answer is how consistent can he be as a run defender? I think that's what separated, obviously that's what separated Aaron Donald from some of the other undersized defensive tackles that we've seen in years past but he's gonna have to gain a little bit of weight in his lower half just so he can hold up a little bit more at that three technique spot and similar to Brissy, I thought he played out of position at times they were playing him at head up nose and one technique and teams are just double teaming him and moving him out the way that's not his game you don't want him 
uh, playing stout or trying to hold firm at the point of attack. You want him head down to the ground, penetrating that first level of the line of scrimmage. So I, I think he's going to go top 20. It wouldn't surprise me if he goes even higher just because it's a pass rushing league right now. And those type of defensive linemen are very hard to find. And just talking to scouts, everybody compares him to Grady Jarrett. Everybody says that he's exactly like Grady Jarrett when he yep. was coming out of Clemson. Another player that the that the league really missed on him slipping right. to the fifth round. Fifth round. They're yeah. like they're like we're not going <laughs> to let this happen again. Let's go ahead and take him in the top twenty. So Kalijah needs to write a, a thank you letter or something to Grady Jarrett at some point. It sounds like. Well, enough defense here in the first round. Let's talk playmakers. Let's talk wide receiver with Zay Flowers. I saw, we've had Jim Nagy on multiple times, um, director of the Senior Bowl, and I saw him tweet the other day, Jordan, that he's hearing from scouts that the only wide receiver that many teams feel comfortable taking in the first round at this point is Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. And I'm seeing some other guys. I've seen Jordan Addison, obviously seeing Zay Flowers. You have him uh, 25th at this point to the Giants. I've seen him a little higher different places. What are your thoughts on Zay Flowers and his first round potential? Yeah, just speaking on Jim first, I think it's a game of gamesmanship right now, depending on who you talk to. Um, there's there's a lot of smoke. And like, no, we I don't call, want him. Exactly. We don't want him. And then you take him. I, I, yeah. I call it white noise. A lot, That's of, right. a lot of teams are not trying to reveal their hand right now. So just floating some stuff out there, the gym and hoping their guy slips to him. So that wouldn't surprise me at all. But I love that. <laughs> the first exposure that I had to Zay was actually out of Las Vegas when he played in the East-West Shrine game. And he didn't practice the first day. He actually came out the second day and he went through some drills. And the one word that I use is different. Everything was different. He was different from everybody else out there. Every movement that he had was much quicker. The hands were very good. And he's very sudden in everything that he does. Everything's right now is urgent. He can get yards after the catch. He can run any route in the playbook. And then also, I think what separates him from some of the other smaller wide receivers that we've seen in years past is his ability to get yards after the catch. He essentially turns into a return specialist. He feels as if he can put the ball in the paint and score touchdowns every time he touches the ball. And even though Boston College has some inconsistencies and in quarterback turnover, mm. his production stayed the same. And we're talking about a player, if he would have came out after his junior year, he probably still would have been a first-round pick. So a lot of people were surprised that he even came back for his senior season. And even though Phil Dracovic went on to another school, his production pretty much stayed the same. Yeah, I, I just, man, when, when you look at guys like that, and just think, how productive can he be in the right situation? Like, how good can he be with a, a consistent quarterback that's there, that's healthy, that gets him the rock? And, man, I, I don't know. It, it can be really special. I've seen Zay as high as, you know, I think 14 to the Pats, and, and there's a lot of momentum with that. And maybe that's who's floating that information, you know, to, guess, to our guess, guy. <laughs> guess, who co guess who coached at the East-West Shrine game on his team? Did they ritz, so there we go. So they saw there you go. <laughs> first class. All right, so that, mark it down. Mark it down. That'll happen. I, let, let's change to another wide receiver, Josh Downs, who very similar in a lot of ways. I, I'm not sure if you got to see him in person, but met from a measurable standpoint, it's the same player. Uh, you know, Josh maybe a little bit more explosive when, when you look at the vertical and, and broad jump and things of that nature. But the things that they can do, the twitchiness, um, you know, Josh maybe a little bit more kind of make you miss in a phone booth type guy. But I see a lot of similarities in, in those two young men. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I was actually at the first game of the year with you, Emac, when they played against Florida A&M. And he, he, he performed really well in that game. But, I mean, throughout the season, he was absolutely phenomenal as far as his inside-out versatility. And they played him in the, in the slot and Phil Longo's offense quite a bit. But I think he's capable of making plays on the outside too. And I love a comparison that a scout shared with me of Tyler Lockett. I, I think he's very comparable 
to Tyler Lockett. He has that strong build. A lot of people don't realize how solidly built Josh Downs is when you see him up close. He provides return specialist value. And then, like I said earlier, he he provides the inside-out versatility, too. Needs to clean up the catch consistency. I thought that's something that he struggled with a little bit in moments last season. But if he cleans that up, I mean, the Panthers at 39 would be a great spot for him, oh pairing him with that uh, the new franchise quarterback that they bring there. But I think he's going to go somewhere in the top 45 picks. Yeah, I, I love that. I love the comp that you just gave here. I should have made you or should have asked you, not make you, asked you to do that for all these guys. <laughs> I'm not going to do that, but I, I would like to hear the Zay Flowers comp if, if you have one or if you've heard one. Steve Smith. Steve Smith has oh, been the one. Yes, I love that. Mm. Oh Come man. On, Steve baby. Smith has been one that's been wow. very, very common with him. Similar wow. type of attitude, that alpha mentality. Yeah. Steps on the field that feel he feels as if he's the best player out there every time he steps on the field. So Steve Smith is one that's been very, very common with Zay. That is so interesting, and I totally see it. That's that's fascinating. Okay. How about this guy? Because you have him a little lower, at least in your latest mock. I've seen him in the first round as well. I think this is a player that people are going to look at, and and it's going to truly be kind of that suspense of does he get taken late in the first round. That's Trenton Simpson, linebacker from Clemson. Uh, You have him at this point 49th to the Steelers. We know how well he tested. We know that he's very versatile. He can do a lot of different things. But also, and I wonder about this, Jay Reed, like Clemson hasn't necessarily been known for producing linebackers. They're known more for producing defensive linemen. Isaiah Simmons has changed that perhaps a little bit. But what are your thoughts on Trenton Simpson overall? Yeah, he's a very interesting player. Another player, obviously, that I got to see up close to, really impressed with his physique. Um, I did not know he was six foot three, two hundred and thirty <laughs> plus pounds. It's freaky, and he's, man. He, yeah, he's every bit of it too. Uh, very muscular and tight build. Um, he's everything that you want at the position. He's another player that I thought that kind of played out of position a little more so last year. He played yes. more wheel linebacker during the sophomore year, but last year. They were kind of using him in the middle, and I thought they should have used him a little bit more as a blitzer, some at safety, and then what we saw during his freshman and sophomore seasons. But the NFL has kind of shied away from these versatile players just because being versatile isn't always a great thing. And we've seen that with Isaiah Simmons of where you can have a lot of versatility, but you end up being a master of none of those positions. So with Trenton, you're going to have to have a very specific plan for him walking through the door. Let him master that wheel linebacker position first and then start to use him at various different spots. And, you know, here, go, here goes another comp for you, Emac. So the player that he's been comp to is Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa when he like was coming that. out of Notre Dame. Yeah. Another player that had a specific skill set that you had to use yeah. uh, in a certain area. Let him master one area like Cleveland has been able to do. And then start to use him as a blitzer, using him in those NASCAR packages on third down and just allowing him to wear a bunch of different hats. Yeah, I I love that comp. And what's interesting, I I thought, you know, I thought Wu was going to be a first rounder and and he didn't end up. I think he slid to maybe the third rounder or maybe the second. But I thought that that was a guaranteed lock, maybe similar to what I think here with with Trenton. For, For me, man, like. You start him going after the quarterback. Like, let him feast there and then allow, as he learns and grows and things like that, to be maybe a true linebacker. I think that just makes a lot of sense. He's naturally gifted with all those, you know, talents and, and things, getting after a guy, just see ball, get ball, put him in, in, in packages, and maybe that's not worth, you know, a first-round pick. I'm not sure. So it will be interesting to see what, what he can do there. How about we slide into the trenches right here with Matthew Bergeron. He is a young man that – I think the senior bowl did a lot of good, you know, just getting in front of those guys, 
very talented, you know, not a super high profile place like, you know, Syracuse, but they've produced some good talent for the NFL these last couple of years. I think he's a guy that, man, can can really impress people. I don't know if he can slide into the back of the first round, but seems like a lock for the second round. Yeah, there's a lot of excitement about him, especially what he showed on tape this past season. And then also him getting progressively better at the Senior Bowl once he gets that NFL coaching in his corner. That's something that a lot of people wanted to see. A fantastic run blocker. I mean, he's ready from day one as a run blocker, but he needs to improve in pass protection. And the one game that I'll point to that kind of exposes his flaws a little bit was against Florida State. He had a rough time. Uh, Jared Verse gave a lot of people a lot of tough times That's last right. year. Especially that game. It just seemed like <laughs> yeah. Florida State couldn't Oof. do anything wrong against yeah. Syracuse that game. Yeah, and so he needs to get better. He needs to clean up the pass protection aspect of it. That's what I think is going to keep him out of the first round just because you want more so of those tackles that are really good pass protectors, and then you can improve their run blocking as their career goes along. You don't want right. the inverse of that in the first round. But I think he needs to go to a system that just allows him to move forward and maul people at the point of attack, but also he has the versatility and athleticism to win with angles too. So I think he's a versatile player, but landing spot and development is going to be really big for him. What, would you would you start him at guard, or, or is he a left tackle till he proves he can't be? I would try him at tackle first. I'm, okay. I'm a big fan of making guys, let guys show that they can't play tackle first and then slide them inside just because tackles are so hard to find and it's right. a premium position. So I would allow him to show me first that he can't play tackle on the next level before I slide him inside the guard. What about Keon White? Keon White is someone, and I would, he was the guy I was thinking of when I said you don't really want to be buzzing in February, you want to be buzzing in, in April. I feel like he got a lot of buzz in February and then maybe has, has died off a little bit. You have him 59th. I've seen him, you know, closer in the second round. Some people were talking first round a couple months ago. So what's what's going on with Keon White from Georgia Tech? Opinions are kind of all over the place on him, honestly, just because, I mean, he had a great year at Georgia Tech last year, but we're talking about a player that three years ago was playing tight end. So right. he's still right. relatively new to the position, but so much explosion off of the edge. They played him off of the edge. I think he can slide inside and be a three technique. So he has a lot of versatility which is going to help him a lot in draft rooms. It's just a matter of where, where exactly do you have him graded? Do you beef him up 10 more pounds and slide him as a three yep. technique? Or yep. do you let him be a three, four, four I or four technique in a three down defensive front? So there's so many different opinions about him just because of the various positions that he plays. But I still think he goes somewhere inside of the top 60. And him being an older prospect, him being 25 years old as a rookie, mm -hmm. it may hurt him a little bit in some draft rooms. But I think for most teams, he's going to be a top 60 pick on their board. Yeah, it it is going to be fascinating just because again hasn't played a ton of of football at the position. You know what what is this guy going to be able to do? I want to get to some quarterbacks, but we have a, a big chunk here to to kind of as we're wrapping up here, Jay. The fifth round is where NFL teams are made. You know when you look at day three specifically, that's when you can find these diamonds in the rough or, or you know maybe guys that people just slept on things of that nature. So when you look at day three. And I'm sorry, you probably don't have your list in front of you, but if there's a guy that maybe you have, have really liked scouting or fall in love with that you know, isn't quite a, a day two, day one guy, but who's a guy that really you've just fallen in love with and think can do some work? Well, the great thing about studying all these guys is that you can just reel them off the top of your head. <laughs> that's great. Really, that's right. That's right. Just reel them off the top of your head. Um, one player that has a lot of love right now, um, I have a fourth round grade on him, but I can see him going as high as the second round as Yaya Diaby from yes, Louisville. Yes, come on. 
he's one that, I mean, there's a lot of teams that really like him just because of his versatility. He has that thick build that you love to see at the position. He's strong at the point of attack as a run defender, and then he's very explosive as a pass rusher too. So he's one that I could see going inside of the top 75, honestly. That wouldn't surprise me. But one player that a lot of people like is Izzy Abanaconda, the running back from Pitt. There's a lot of people that like mm. him too. He had the big game um, where he broke all of Tony Dosett's record, the six <laughs> touchdown game, just where he went off. But day three is where a lot of teams feel comfortable taking running backs now just because of the devaluation of the position. And we've seen players like Isaiah Pacheco and some of these other players in years past go on to be key starters um, that were selected in day three. So Izzy is getting a lot of love in league circles right now. And Izzy is only 20 years old, which people – I think like compared to a guy like Keon White who's 25 years old who, you know, could be as his father, it feels like, the way people are talking about that. <laughs> um, yes, I agree with you on, on, on both of those points, Jerry. And I think it's just going to be fascinating. Again, check out his mock draft. I mean, I know – I can't even imagine the work that goes into this. <laughs> and Oof. Mac, I'm going to let you ask this one, Mac, because you are the – Mac has been ringing the Drake May bell – I think maybe the day Drake was born, Mac, I'm, I, I know that was a while ago, but Mac has been all over it. So let's talk some 24 quarterbacks here before we get Jay Reed out of here. Yeah, yeah. well, that, that's that's exactly right. And, and Jay was there with me. He saw it, you know, that first yeah, game. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, when they're playing FAMU there. And, and Jay, I'm sure you heard similar things, but Coach Mac Brown told us before the game, I, you know, we're still kind of up in the air. Drake's going to start the first couple, whatever. <laughs> and then I'm like, I don't know if you see what I see, but this kid is is unbelievable. And then kind of after that game, I'm like, okay, this this dude's probably going to be a first-round pick. And then three, four games in the season, I'm like, okay, this guy's going to be the pick. I mean, is that the hype? Is that what you're thinking? I, I know we got our guy Williams out to the West that you know maybe is saying, hey, don't forget about me. But just when I look at the size, I look at the demeanor, I look at the athleticism, it's almost like, how can you mess this up? Yeah, I mean, just watching him against FAMU that day, I was like, man, this guy's got a lot, a lot of talent. We'll see if it continues, and it did throughout the year. And Carolina's offense, I thought it took a bit of a step back last year at moments, but with Carolina's defense, he had to shoulder the load a lot just because of the challenges that they had. And with Drake, I mean, the name that I hear scouts use with him, just looking a year ahead, is Justin Herbert. I mean, tall, slender kid, wearing number 10, said this is Herbert all over again. So that's the buzz with him, and we still have a year out. I haven't studied him personally just because he's on the 2024 list, but I'm looking forward to sitting down and studying him this summer. But my first exposure to him in the season opener last year, I was blown away by him. Yeah, well, you're going to like what you see. I promise you that. You're going to thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, one, one more guy for, from the ACC, and that's Jordan Travis at the quarterback position. We, we have seen the NFL um, you know, be, be certainly all in on mobile quarterbacks and guys that can go around, but Jordan showed last year that he can well throw the ball, make decisions, run an offense to a super high level. What do you think you know, uh, about him and what he can do? Yeah, he's another that really surprised me last year. Um, so I'm actually a Florida State fan, believe it or not. I was a big, Come I was on. a big Peter Ooh, Ward, I was a big Peter Ward out. guy growing up. So I've always been a Florida State fan. But he was a big surprise to me last year, and he just continued to get better game after game after game from that LSU opener, uh, season opener last year, that thrilling game, all the way through the conclusion of last season. I thought he just continued to get better. And he just has that ability to just make plays, something out of nothing. He just continued to do that. 
uh, week in and week out. And there's a lot of hype around Florida State probably going to enter the season next year as a top five team. So I'm a little nervous about that. Um, <laughs> Coach Norville's doing a heck of a job of bringing some some transfers in there. Got Jared Verse on the defensive side, some other players that they're really excited to get back to. So, um, no, the war chant is going to be going. It's going to be going in this household. I'm excited to see what they do next year. But, you know, Florida State has a lot of prospects that I'm excited about. And Jordan Travis has a chance to continue to build on what he what he did last year. There's quite a few. And of course, Jared Verse, like you said, he's going to be a big name next year as you um, after your vacation, start diving into 24. <laughs> Okay, before we let you go, Jerry, let's just talk. I want to ask a simple Florida State question. We asked this to EJ Manuel. We had him on a couple weeks ago. Should Florida State be the favorite right now in the ACC? Yeah, I think so. Just, just man, come on, so. man. I think so. Just, just based on the hype from last year, how they yeah. finished last season. Clemson. I mean, I like I like the young kid that they have at quarterback, but he's not he's not proven yet. So. I think just sure. what they have coming back on both sides of the ball, you're probably going to have, I would guess, the ACC Defensive Player of the Year in verse. Um, Travis, Drake May is obviously going to be the ACC Offensive Player of the Year preseason, but it wouldn't surprise me if Jordan Travis goes on to win ACC Offensive Player of the Year. Yeah, I don't know if he will, man. I think it's pretty split. Like most people that I talk to, it's one or the other, and it's it's pretty close to 50-50. I cannot wait to be in Charlotte Ooh. for that media day just to see – how does it shake out? Because I think a lot of people are giving love mm-hmm. to the Knowles and to Jordan Travis. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me, but yeah, go Knowles. It should be ACC. <laughs> we should be the favorites. That's all I'm saying. Not saying it. we're going to finish. On, we're going to finish the deal, Come but on. we'll see. I, I don't know how I didn't know this. Yeah, now, now this we FSU, know. this changes. <laughs> this changes a lot for me, Jay. I, 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 I gotta tell you, I gotta have my bias, man. But I can say it on here. I was a big. I was a. <laughs> I was a right. huge Peter Warwick guy growing yeah. up. Huge Peter Warwick. Why not? Great player. Man, this was so much fun, dude. I appreciate your time. I know you're slammed. You probably have something we're holding you up to. You got to go. So we appreciate you, man, and and continue the, the awesome coverage. It's great watching you. Thank you, as always. Jay Reed with all the knowledge, all the nuggets. I am so ready now for the NFL draft. Really appreciate his time, Mac. And before we get out of here, I want to give our... Final predictions here to the two big questions. <laughs> How many ACC guys go in the first round and which ACC guy goes first? Like it. Would you like to begin or shall I? No, ladies first. Ladies okay, first. Good, because I've got thoughts. Let's I just think, do, let's, hold on. Let's do first. How many guys? Okay. Let's just do how many guys? I think four. Oh. I think four go in, in the first round. Not in order. Who are they? Well, then I'll just throw out my order. I'll go um, alphabetically. Alphabetically, Brian Brzee, okay. Zay Flowers, okay. M comes before K, Miles Murphy, Kalijah Kansi. I think those four oh. guys go in the first I round. I like it. And We're the exact same. We're the exact same. I think same. the question marks are with Zay Flowers and Brzee. Those are the guys that – well, and Kansi. Really? And Kansi. And Kansi. And Kansi. Brzee is probably more of a lock for the first round. So you think round. only one? You think there's only going to be one first-round pick? No, no, I think there's going to be four. If there's three question marks, then there's only well, one. Well, just from what we've seen from different mocks and people talking about it, I think those four should go in the first round. I think they will. I think they will. Sure. But sure. I think the especially those three, the last three are going to be later. So there's going to mm-hmm. be um, you know, some suspense there. 
I, sure. I think that Keon White ends up in the second. I think that Trenton when Simpson look at those guys, ends up in the second. So you definitely also definitely deserving. And, and even when you look yeah, at the grading, I, I, I think I, Trenton I think, Simpson um, will probably have a first round grade as well. Um, he could sneak but in. It, I, I would not be shocked at all if we only have three. Yeah. But I'm going to stick with four. Did you already say who you think is going to go well, first? Well, so if I'll it's three, it. no, I did not. If no, it's go three, for it. go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. But if it's three, who's the guy that drops out? Who's the guy that you think is most likely to drop out of the first round? Probably Kalijah probably because Kalijah, of his size. His size, which is crazy because yeah. we've already seen it proven, but probably mm-hmm. Kalijah. Right. Okay. And then who goes first? I think because you can't deny the freakiness of this guy. Miles Murphy. We're going to have the same guy. There we go. Miles Murphy goes first. And that's pretty much a consensus from a lot of the max that uh, a lot of the mocks that I've seen. Yeah. And I think he goes 12th. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and just predict 12th to the Texans. That's what I think. He okay. Goes. The Texans I think he'll go rush. a little higher. I think he goes eight. To wow. Atlanta. You think he goes top 10? I do. I think he goes to Atlanta. Okay. Um, Falcons need an edge bad. Uh, he's a guy that can provide that. Uh, you already have Clemson DNA on that team. True. You feel really good about it. You trust it. You see the output. I think if, if there is questions about, you know, work ethic or whatever, just because of a, a season ago, I think those guys can squeeze it out of them. You have a guy like Grady Jarrett, who's a big enough leader to, you know, get anybody, whoever you pick, you know, they're, they're going to be just fine there. So if, if Will Anderson isn't available, I'll say that. Yeah. I think that they go Miles Murphy. Um, I don't know how Will could slide to, to eight, to be honest. And then I think we're going to see Brian Brzego pretty quickly after really? that. I think that he might end up, you know, anywhere from the 11 to 16 range, maybe. Um, that's, that's pretty high from what I've been reading. Well, don't forget, you know, way, way back when, you know, at the start of the season, he, he yeah, was top five. Yeah, true. You know, he, he was that guy. And I think he answered a lot of questions. The interesting thing, too, is, you know, we, we heard it from Jordan there, kind of the coaches throwing stuff out that they want people to hear. Right. And then Jim Nagy You don't know said, what to believe. Oh, there's no receiver. You don't know what to believe. You have no idea. Um so I think that Brian, I think Clemson goes one, two. And then I, I think, uh, you know, our guy, Zay Flowers, I wouldn't be shocked at all if, if he lands at 14 with the Patriots. Um, but does he fall a little bit farther behind there? You know, looking at guys that, that need skill players, the Seahawks have a couple of picks, you know, d- does Tampa Bay get another, you know, kind of weapon there? Uh, or, or does he fall even mm-hmm. farther to, to like the Eagles or the Saints or the Bengals? They, Bengals probably don't need a receiver, but, you know, looking at all those guys, I think that's the surefire locks. And then where where does you know Kalijah end up? Right. Does, does he go to Jacksonville at 24? Does he go to um, you know any of these guys kind of on the back of the Dallas Cowboys, uh, the, the Eagles, the Saints? You know, a lot of these different guys are kind of in the mix for mm-hmm. do they go skill players or do they pack in that defensive line and really solid up there? The highest I've seen Kalijah is 18th to the Lions, which would be I like that. great, great for fit. him. And yeah. selfishly, as someone who's become a bit of a Jags fan, I would love to see either Kalijah or Brzee 24th to the Jags. Sure, sure. Clemson yeah, fans right. would love Brzee 24th to the Jags. Oh, my goodness. Add him up. If he's there, I bet they take him. If he's there, if I he's bet there, they take yeah. him. yeah. All right, we shall so, see. We'll see, KG. It's time. I cannot wait for this draft. It's going to be a lot of fun to see where these guys land, uh, where their new home hmm. will be. And we'll have stuff. NFL fans will have it all ready for you. Interviewed a lot of these guys 
Uh, so we'll be sure to post that when these guys land and, and get their team. But that's it for us. Another great episode of Gramlick and Mac Lane. Thank you guys for tuning in. Our great friends at Ingles, all their support and the things that they're able to help us do on this podcast. We appreciate them. Uh, if you're not on YouTube, go check it out. Go subscribe. Jump in the comments. We love to hear from you guys. Doing a lot of fun things over here. A lot of cool videos you need to see. You need to check it out. Uh, some recipes, some cooking, uh, some salad bar, creating whatever you <laughs> some want. Some salads. <laughs> That's right. We get it going. We get it going for you. And of course, the OGs over on Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe there. We would greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see y'all.